The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you, as always, for the next 30 minutes. A open, frank, honest conversation about gambling addiction. And the real purpose of the show is kind of multifold. One, it's to humanize the addiction. And two, and maybe as important, if not more important, it's let uh, those of you out there that uh, may be dealing with the addiction yourself or have a loved one that you're concerned about can uh, start uh, processing what the addiction looks like and uh, you know, take the steps to get the people you care the most about some help. As always, joining me from Epic Risk Management, and still a consultant with the New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling, our friend Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. Hey, good morning, Craig. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, happy to have with us another gambler in recovery like myself and Dan. This is Jeff. Jeff, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Craig and Dan. How are you? Doing great. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, how long has it been for you in recovery? Well, uh, again, so my name is Jeff F. I uh, haven't made a bet in 16 years and wow. six and a half months. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we're all going to get there, Dan, one day. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're all going to get there. So one Jeff, day at a time. Obviously, you know, telling your story is uh, something I know at this point in your life you're comfortable with. So we appreciate you doing it. Let's go back, you know, uh, well beyond the 16 years that you've been in recovery. Uh, do you remember early on as a, as a kid, a young adult, when you first got exposed to gambling? Yeah, well, um, since uh, I don't formally become an adult till I was 13, I guess it started as a child at 12. <laughs> um, and uh, it probably started uh, innocently enough with those parlay sheets, pick four games and get 10 to one. Right. That's probably where it started. Um, and uh, for those, you know, over a certain age, probably, you know, over 40, remember those kind of, parlay yep. sheets you would get at your uh yeah for those of you that selling. aren't old enough to remember before there was uh, the internet and a lot of other uh, technological advances guys like us would show up literally in elementary school and there'd be uh the kid in school usually a couple years older than you who had these sheets and the sheets were uh, these rectangular sheets they're pretty long and it was uh, every game on the card some of them were nfl only some would have nfl in college and they were parlay sheets and you know, you would uh, you know, pick three, four, five, six, seven, up to ten games. And if you won, obviously you'd get the uh, the appropriate amount of money. But very few people won because parlays are one of the hardest bets to win. Uh, how soon from there did uh, you start gambling on a regular basis? Uh, I would say um, early high school, you know, able to find the, uh, you know, like you referred to, the, the local kind of high school bookie. Right. Um, you know, and and quickly took off from there. So whether that was maybe sophomore, junior year in uh, high school, and um, I still, you know, remember being in uh, algebra class and teacher asking, you know, about combinations and permutations. And I'm like, well, that's easy. You know, if you box three horses <laughs> in the triple, there's, you know, I give them all the combinations and six this way. And there's Jeff, you do four, it's 24. And, you know, people look at me like you have two heads. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Dan. It does bring up, you know, there is a mental aspect to gambling. And while you know, we're talking about the dangers and the ills of it, you know, there are aspects of it that are really fascinatingly, I don't want to say good or positive, 
but um, that bring a certain talent uh, out of us mentally, right? Yeah, it's the stimulation and also that that numbers. Yeah, I, I can totally relate with what Jeff's saying there because I remember in seventh grade I was the only one who had a book on how to handicap thoroughbreds. It was Andrew Byer and his speed figures, and I would sit I know, there reading I, that. I'm sorry to you know that. I, Go I ahead. Know that book well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's the processing, it's the numbers, and the the way we learn best is by applying what we're trying to be taught, applying it to something personal that we can relate it to. And oftentimes for me, it always came back to gambling in the world of numbers. Yeah, I'm fascinated by guys that do wind up going to the track. And I think that that's a generational thing. But uh, Jeff, for you, obviously, you, you got the same book Danny's talking about. So when did it become, as you look back on it, uh, a problem for you? Well, it became a problem probably in the high school times of betting uh, because, you know, how much could you be making? I'm working at a local florist, you know, you're making a few dollars an hour and, and, you know, at night or on the weekend. So obviously betting more than you could afford. So that is certainly the, uh, if I have to trace it back to the start, but the answer to the question, horses, I mean, over the time, I, I think I've owned 16 horses, but the racetrack is always um, a passion, if I could use that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the uh, multiple times you wager that you could receive in, in, in winnings, um, you know, that dream, that instant gratification sure. uh, of it all. Uh, you know, but you alluded to something before with the numbers. You know, now we say, you know, in our GA room, we, th- we think as compuls- recovering compulsive gamblers that we have an edge. Right. We, we, we really do. And, and when, when we apply it uh, in the right direction. So early on, what did you do when you couldn't cover a bet? Were you making bad decisions to get money uh, to cover bets? Were you lying, huh. stealing, all that kind of stuff? I, I, you would go to box D, all of the above. Got it. Okay, it would be. It, it went through the um, the gamut uh, to tell you know to, to touch a little upon the story. I eventually reached what I thought was a pinnacle of my professional career. I was CEO of a public REIT rang the bell on the New York Stock Exchange, all the while, you know, this is back in 2002, all the while just blowing myself up, gambling, leading to bad decisions, and, you know, possibly facing the possibility of incarceration. It, it was, um, it said, you know, that was the, the rock bottom, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I remember it's, uh, you know, like it was yesterday, you know, it was July 15th, 2005. I mean, yeah, well, I, I think people need to hear that. If you don't mind sharing it, what was that rock bottom moment for you? Um, the rock bottom is when, uh, you know, chairman of the company comes in and someone was threatening to sue the company and, and accuse me of things of which um, not all were true, but that's not really relevant. Um the fact was, you know, I made wrong decisions and, uh, you know, I had to, you know, leave uh, that, you know, pretty much that day uh, and, you know, within, within the hour and came home and, uh, you know, on that Monday and basically not too dissimilar to yourself, Greg. It, you know, yours was more of a public figure and people heard, saw it on TV. Right. You know, mine was across maybe, you know, the news wires instantly, you know, getting calls a couple of hours later. You know, what happened? What happened? Yeah, it's a um, weird thing, you know. Uh, you know, mine played out so publicly, um, which was really even harder. Forget about me, you know. You know, selfishly, it was harder on you know the people that uh, you know, trusted me, the people in my life, and the people that loved me the most, because they're they're the most they were the most caught off guard. And you know, even though I was a public figure and on the TV and radio, you know, the the flip side of that was everything I got in trouble for. 
you know, played out publicly also. And that I've always felt, you know, that terrible burden that I put on those people because they have no idea what's going on. A lot of people think they might. They don't. And they're the ones that are in harm's way first. And uh, I still have a tough time reconciling that. Yeah, well, that, you know, comes with time. And uh, I remember you had on your show uh, someone from our room, uh, Bruce W., you know, would all tell me when I would say exactly what you just said, Craig, you said, you know, you can't keep punishing yourself. You know, you could just do what you could do. Um, And, and, you know, and that helps a lot. You know, we we have the serenity prayers. And, and, you know, that always helped me the most, you know, uh, that you have to accept certain things that you can't change. That's just so critical to move forward. I have, you know, a wonderful wife, four children. She's stuck by me, been married 31 years. And in a very perverted way, this is a great lesson for my children. Yeah, especially now. I don't know how old your kids are. You're probably maybe, you know, around the same age I am. So imagine you have kids that are maybe in their young 20s or thereabouts. That's right. They range from 27 down to 21. Yeah, so I I get it. Like, you know, the concern is, you know, they're going to gamble at some point or certainly be exposed to it because their friends are going to do it. You know, did your story scare them enough not to go down that same road, recognizing that, you know, our kids are people, and they're going to make mistakes, and they're going to take risks because that's what people do. Like, we can, we can you know, drill it into our kids' heads a million times, you know, not to, uh, to do drugs, not to drink, not to do a lot of these things. But the reality is, at some point, they're going to experiment, maybe not with all that stuff, but with some of it. So you hope that knowing your story and the depths of the despair that you went through and your family went through, you know, all those years ago somehow resonates with them. Yeah, Craig, you touched on it like, you know, more of a parenting point. And, and my belief in that is um, I do not forbid like, you know, my youngest, he's a senior sports freak, you know, at, at Lehigh. And, and, you know, we, we could touch on the proliferation now of, of gambling, but, I, I don't believe in telling your child not to do something uh, because sometimes more uh, problems arise from when teenagers or, or young adults are told not to do something. Right. Yep. Um, yep. So I think you, you hit it right on the head by saying you hope uh, that your, your parenting skills have taken place and they've learned that what moderation means and the dangers. I mean, they saw firsthand the dangers of you know, what gambling or excess of gambling can do. Let me stop you right there. We'll take a quick break. Dan Trelauer, of course, Jeff F., nice enough to share his story. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you, Dan Trelauer, and Jeff. Jeff, uh, I want to get to the good stuff here in a second with you. Before I do that... You know, when uh, when you you got you know fired essentially from the job that you were, were working at uh, and were accused of doing a, a number of things, you know, to support your gambling habit, you know, was it legitimately cold turkey? Was that the epiphany, or was that the moment where you then had to start having tough conversations with your wife and other loved ones? And it still took you time to stop gambling. I'm always fascinated in. What was the final straw that made you legitimately stop for good? Well, the, that's a great question. So th- that day, which was, you know, the day of my last bet was the 
Friday before the Monday, which, uh, you know, I, I was forced to resign or, or, or fired or whatever way we want to put it. Um, and that was a bet, you know, Atlanta Braves versus the New York Mets on a Friday night, some meaningless summer game that Glavin was pitching. And the pathetic part about that is, you know, it was a Friday night of visiting weekend in the Berkshires, you know, where three of my four kids were in sleepaway camp, and that was my last bet. So, hmm. is it, yes, was it cold turkey starting that Monday? Yes, but then I had to have the conversation with my wife and um, and then really say that this is, I, I think, you know, I obviously I have a problem. Uh, did, I let me say, did she have any idea yeah. like afterwards? Was she like, yeah, I knew there was something going on. I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, she knew I gambled. She knew I, you know, and she, as, as much as I love horses, she hated, you know, going to the racetrack. Um, she's very well educated. Um, see, uh, that, not that that means anything because mm-hmm. I'm well educated also, as we all know, and it's, uh, that doesn't, um, prevent any of this. So she did know, but you know, it's like my, my youngest will joke at me that when you say to your, your spouse or your significant others in your life, Oh, I broke even. You know, how many times have you used that term, either of you guys, in your life? Yep. Yep. Yeah, well, yep. that's part of the deal, Dan. It's, um, you know, and you know, I love what, like, when I hear guys at the station always talking about, you know, how great they are at handicapping all the wins, I'm like, uh, let's, come on, get get to the yeah. other side of it because I know you ain't that good. <laughs> no, and, you know, it, it's just kind of funny thinking back and, and listening to you, Jeff, and thinking about, like, a good day for a person with a gambling problem is when you do break even, but you, you think about all that time loss and effort and energy. And, you know, the other thing that's a real big takeaway, and I was just thinking about this, Jeff, you talked about the rules, right? You, you're not going to tell a, a college-age student or, or a youth not to do something. And there's a phrase that I've used in the past, and I think, Craig, you and I have even talked about this. The phrase is, rules without relationships leads to rebellion. And I chew on that mm. phrase quite a bit because if we're just worried about yelling the rules louder to either our kids or just following the rules of a program without developing a relationship with it, we're going to rebel. We're going to return to gambling. We're going to, you know, our youth will rebel against the rules that we're trying to set. Relationships matter so much as we talk about this topic. Yeah, I also want to, there's another side to this. For me, at least, it's important to put out there because people need to understand it. You know, you can become a compulsive gambler. And risk losing everything, even when you win. And I think yeah. people need to understand that. You know, uh, compulsive gamblers is not a collection of men and women who have only lost or, right. you know, lose every time that they place a wager. There are the, you know, I don't know the percentages, but there's a whole host of people that have been saved by your GA or other programs like it who did a lot of winning, too, but it was the amount of time they spent in playing that became the problem. And, Dan, I think that's important for people to hear that you can win and really have a problem and lose everything because I lived it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the money. You're right, Craig. We, we, how many times do we get a phone call to 800 Gambler or someone that reaches out to us? They're like, well, I might have a problem. I, I mean, I win a lot. Uh, but I don't lose a lot of money. It's not the money aspect, but it's all the other stuff. We lose so many pieces of ourselves. We lose our relationships, lost productivity at work. All three of us have certain personality traits that lend itself to gambling addiction. You know, we're all very motivated. We're highly competitive. We've experienced tremendous success in different areas. And, you know, at that point, we were high and, and, and living life great, but the gambling was a part of it. And then over time, it's just that, 
it's not the gambling that's the problem. It's the love of the gambling. And it's when life starts creating problems, gambling becomes our escape. Jeff, do you miss it at all? Do I miss it? Um, no. Do I miss the action? No. Do I, um, again, going back, and, and uh, Dan, you just touched on it also. It is the, the time that was lost. You know, I used, to, I used to go to work the Friday of Thanksgiving weekend. I drive from WestJet to my office in Great Neck. Did I have to work that day? No, but you know what? It was a nice, quiet day to watch the college football games and bet the track. <laughs> now, think yeah. about that. Think about how sick that is. Okay? I have wonderful four children and a wife at home, and that's what I did the Friday after Thanksgiving. Yep. Okay? For, for many years. And um, which, uh, to touch on something, I had a, um, a probation officer come to my house. You know, this is in the, in the mid-2000s, and uh, I had just moved uh, – once I moved because I had to, and this was I moved because I we wanted to and was able to, and he, I, I felt like I need to explain myself because it was, you know, it was a, a nice residence, and I said to him, I said, you don't understand, I found six to eight hours extra in every day of my life. Yeah, yeah, by not gambling, and that was my only way of explaining it to because it was it was as truthful a statement as I could ever make. I talk all the time. The amount of availability yep. I have inside my brain now that I didn't have for all those years is I don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, with well, you. Facing the sidelines, you think, you're in, you think you're in the moment because you're at your kids' soccer or basketball games. And what do I have in my back pocket? Either the racing form or, or the cutout of the post of the lines that the game is on the Sunday morning, you know, soccer. That's, that's not being present. You yeah. know, that's just it, it, it's, it's time I'll never get back, but I said it before, the, the presence of time that I have now with all my family, um, I, like I said, I was a horse nut. I don't know. There's been times where I'll turn the television on and we're running around on a Saturday and the Kentucky Derby was on. And to think that I did not know that the Kentucky Derby was running that day at that minute when my <laughs> life used to revolve around it, that's when you just you sit back and you, you kind of chuckle to yourself. Before I let you go, Jeff, uh, we like to end uh, the show when we have guests like yourself uh, in saying something and speaking to those who are at, you know, step one of this because uh, that is the most difficult step. You know, the admission that you have a problem, the willingness to get help, and long-term, you know, to kind of surrender yourself to the process of getting better. And there's a lot of people going through it right now that feel like, you know, the walls are caving in, and, and there is no life for them. And life can't be fantastic, as we all know it can be. And I always think it's great for guys like you who have gotten to the other side and have a decent amount of time on the other side who can speak to the reality that, boy, life can be really, really good if you're willing to try to conquer the demons. Yeah, I, I think that's an appropriate way to, uh, to try to, to end things. Is that that you step one is step one for a reason because and it when you hit rock bottom I'm all, I'm sometimes worried about people that don't hit rock bottom but I've kind of changed my tune because of the proliferation of the gambling now and everything um you want to get to people before they hit rock bottom um and when you admit you're powerless over gambling it is it is such a relief um on your on your mind and on your existence to come down and look, I, I, I think, I don't know if we spoke about it, I go to the, this room, the room on 31st Street, 
and it's in the basement of a, of a church. And the first year, the beginner's room, I'm in a kitchen. I'm in a kitchen. I've been there. Probably, <laughs> <you're okay. laughs> I'm uh, in there. <laughs> And so, you know, and we all know about it. And when I went down there, I thought I'd meet monsters, you know, down yeah. there. Who, you know, what kind of guys are in there? And, you know, there's no more similar people in the world in my life. And I have some great friends, but nobody like the, you know, though we say the brothers and sisters that you meet in that room. Uh, it just, you know, quickly a guy stood up and it's one of his first meeting and he's in tears and he goes, you know, what kind of nut bets $2,500 on Bowling Green to win a football game? And, you know, me and, you know, my friend, uh, Mike T next to me, we, we raise our hand like, your story's not new to us, buddy. You know, everybody, <laughs> you're, you're the, 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 so my message, Craig, and I'm sorry to go off on a tangent there to ask your question is, answer your question, is that I urge the people that, Every, the people that you meet down there are no different. That's right. And they were from all walks of life, but you could share stories and get comfort and guidance. You know, I used to say, we all say it's the best $2 therapy, you know, you could ever have. But it's, um, hmm. I, I urge people now. And, and when I see that people could lose their phones to live bet and bet $6, you know, and the only guidance I said to my son is, I, you just think of one thing, how long you have to work in order to make the bet you're about to lose. Yeah. Right. Value the money. That's it. Yeah. You, and value the money, value your time, the quality of the time. And I like, I urge people, the best reward I have now is giving back. And, you know, when I'm in the beginner's room, you know, for three months at a time, that it's, it's invaluable. It's the other people's stories help us, you know, help you, you Craig and Dan, yep. it really helps you. It, it brings you back. And, and, and I think it's, the message to the younger people or, or older people, you know, that it's, it, it's, if you could show up and just take suggestions, like, yeah, you have a better life. I, I am a very, very happy guy right now. Well, I really appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, keep it up. Hope to meet you one day as well. And best to your family. And thanks so much for being on the program today. Really I'm do appreciate sure you it. Well, thank you, Craig. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, brother. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Dan, always love hearing guys that have so much time and you're 16 years and seven months. It's, uh, it's a good reminder to guys like me and you who think, you know, uh, we're doing pretty good, and I think we are, you know, that uh, there's a long, long way ahead of us, and uh, those roads are good. They're not bad. And one day we'll be those guys telling those stories, sitting in those beginner's rooms, looking back kind of poetically at uh, the life that we have and how much time we have kind of post-gambling and hope that we can build up enough uh, you know, cachet there that it's more meaningful than the time we spent gambling. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, there's so much. What I love about doing the show with you, Craig, is there's a lot of optimism. There's always a lot of hope that we're giving people. But I also want to let people know that, you know, you hear Craig and I, you hear the guests that we have on. Every day is not always a good day. And I think you and I know that, right? We go through our struggles still. It's just we don't use gambling as a way to escape those struggles. Life is not always great. There are certain days where it might be harder than others. And by not going to gambling, we're not making it worse. You know, we understand that we do not have a healthy relationship with gambling. So you and I choose not to gamble. It doesn't mean that we're against gambling. It's just we're against gambling for, for myself, for yourself, and for the guests we have. But the days, even the hardest days, is still better than the best day I ever had gambling. Because I don't have to, I don't lose that mental space. I can deal with life on life's terms. I may not always like the outcomes, but it's just a better day. No doubt. Let me also tell people that uh, there's a special thing going on 
uh, not this weekend, but next weekend for the Super Bowl. You know, the Super Bowl is a trigger moment, obviously, for a lot of people that do have a gambling uh, problem. Well, there's a, a new event on Super Bowl Sunday in Staten Island. I believe it's the second year of it, but regardless, it's called the Bobo Pasta Bowl. And it is next Sunday, February 13th. It's at the Emanuel Lutheran Church on Richmond Avenue in uh, Staten Island. It is a GA speaker meeting. It starts at 6 o'clock with one speaker on each of the 12 steps of the program. They've got a huge buffet catered from a local Italian restaurant. And for those of you that uh, you know, need an outlet uh, because it's Super Bowl Sunday, uh, they want to make sure that you know it's open-door policy. Doors open at 5 o'clock. Meeting starts at 6 and it's a good way to get together with uh, fellow gamblers and uh, you know, share Sunday afternoon in a safe manner as opposed to being in a spot where you get triggered because the Super Bowl's on. So uh, I'm, I'm glad those guys reached out, and I'll remind you again next week about it as well. Dan, have a great week. We'll do this again next Saturday. Obviously, it'll be Super Bowl Sunday, so we'll pay attention to what that means for so many people like us. Uh, always appreciate your time. Be well, and I'll talk to you next Saturday. Sounds great. Have a great week, Craig. Thank you for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig. Evan Roberts is up next, and then Evan and I are back as we start off Super Bowl week, Monday at 2 o'clock, right here on The Fan.